Welcome y bienvenidos to About Consent, the podcast that sparks conversations about creating consent culture, boundary repair, sexual empowerment, orgasm equality, and raising a new sexually conscious and consent-empowered generation. This is a safe, shame-free, judgment-free zone where both survivors and those who support survivors are welcome. I'm your host, Rosalia Rivera. So I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Nadine Thornhill, who is a sexuality educator from Canada. So shout out to Canada because I'm in Canada as well. And uh, although I'm from the States, I really have a love for Canada now. I've been here for 10 years. So cheers to that. And I'm really excited um, to have Nadine here because we are going to dive into the topic of how to um, really talk to our kids about sex and sexuality in a way that is sex positive, um, to understand the importance of why we need to do it, and to do it in a way that doesn't feel so heavy or stressful um, in the way that we may think that we are going to be doing it. You know, a lot of times we have these preconceived notions. So I'm really excited to dive into this with you. Thank you so much for being here, Nadine. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I'm just going to give a little bit of background for those who don't know you. Um, So Dr. Nadine Thornhill, um, ED, is a sexuality educator, speaker, and content creator based in Toronto, Ontario. She has helped thousands of adults and youth learn and speak openly about consent, pleasure, relationships, and sexuality. Nadine created hashtag Save Sex Ed, which is a YouTube series covering every sex education module in Ontario's 2015 health and physical education curriculum. She's also a writer and co-host of the acclaimed web series, Everybody Curious, which is awesome that I, uh, you did this YouTube series. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but um, I love that you bring fun to this conversation. I've, I've watched your um, web series from Everybody Curious, which originally was called Sex at School. Is that right? That's right. Um, yeah. yeah. And I love that there are kids that are interacting and learning and it helps parents to see how it doesn't have to be this like really heavy, scary topic that a lot of them have, you know, this preconceived notion of, particularly because um, many are survivors, right? Um, so let's dive into this because I know that most parents have this fear, right? And uh, they think that because uh, it was taboo in their home, maybe, or um, just again, from their own, um, maybe negative experiences, uh, you know, as survivors, that it's going to be a scary topic. So what do you recommend for those who want to start teaching this? They know that they have to, um, because it is part of um, healthy, you know, understanding of sexuality, but also for a safety, you know, from a safety perspective to educate their kids, what should they, where should they start? What should they do? So something I recommend for uh, parents and caring adults who are sort of a little bit lost and they're like, how do I do this? Is I often point them to books or even things like the web series, Everybody Curious, Um, that are specifically geared towards teaching sexuality um, and topics related to sexuality to um, a younger audience. So, you know, children 
tweens and teens. And the reason is because a lot of us have gaps in our sexual knowledge and we have gaps or as you pointed or, or as you said we may have um trauma from our own childhood and so one of the really big challenges for a lot of adults is that even if they feel like they have a good grounding and they have a lot of knowledge around sexuality, if they came to that knowledge and that learning as adults, then a lot of that information was presented in an adult context using adult language. And so a big part of the struggle can just be like, I can't really conceive of how I would share this in a way that would be safe, appropriate, and easily understood by a little kid because no one ever did that for me. And so when we start with resources that are specifically geared towards that age group, um, A, it gives us an example of the language, which I think is a big, big piece for a lot of people. Um, but also a lot of these resources, um, you know, as you said, with our show, it's something we try to do, but also I see this in books, um, you know, other series, uh, websites that again are geared towards a young audience is they often come to the topic from a very like joyful, vibrant, vital place. Um, and so it also gives us as adults just, again, an example of, oh, this is how you talk about this in a way that not only isn't scary, but it, that is fun and holds space and makes room for like, you know, just the exuberant curiosity of, of childhood and really makes it, you know, enjoyable as opposed to a chore. Mm, very true. Yeah, I love that. And I think that when we... Um, but, you know, that's such a great perspective is that we learned all this stuff as adults. So we have this adult understanding mm -hmm. and especially the way that media and, you know, culture talks about sexuality can be so confusing mm -hmm. for us to say, I want to teach something that I now enjoy um, or I want to teach something that I may still be struggling with. And how do I teach it in a way that is going to be healthy and sex positive for my child so that they have a good understanding of it? And so I love that, you know, switching that reframe to like, there's so many ways and there's so many tools now that we can use to make it a much more enjoyable conversation that makes it like, so everybody's curious, because you may still be curious about it as an adult with a lot of those gaps that you, you have that you're learning as you go. Absolutely. And you can, you can really almost approach it as you are teaching your inner child, which I know is a little bit of a, like a woo term and concept that may not resonate with any, with everybody, but yeah, sort of like, you know, if you think of yourself as having like an inner three or four year old, um, that you're teaching them at the same time that you're teaching your actual like child who is mm -hmm. a three or four year old, that you're sort of filling some of that in for yourself. And so I think um, certainly for folks who have had negative um, experiences around sex education or just, you know, learned about sexuality in inappropriate or harmful ways, or even if it, it was just you didn't learn about it. So there's a gap there. Um, I think that can be very healing also, um, yeah. you know, to sort of give yourself the sex ed that you never had, but you, you deserved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's part of parenting is like, we're 
reparenting ourselves all the time while we are learning to do that. So yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. that's only been my experience. Yeah. 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 Um, so one of the things that I uh, have heard from a lot of parents as I'm working with them as a consent educator, and I, you know, say like, this is an aspect of consent education and abuse prevention education that is absolutely necessary is teaching about sex ed and sexuality. Um, and I get a little bit of pushback sometimes and it's like, well, don't I, can I just wait until they're X years old? Um, I, one of the things that a lot of parents don't think about, you know, as they are, their child is young is that when they get to that age, like, especially with how much content is online and just even, you know, you can watch a Disney show and you're learning about gender, you know, without realizing it. So there's media literacy kind of stuff. But can you, what is your take or opinion on why this is so important to tar- start teaching as early as possible from a abuse prevention perspective? Okay, so from an abuse prevention perspective, um, one very concrete reason I can give is that there is a significant body of research that indicates that sexual predators will often look for and target kids who have a lack of knowledge and understanding. Um, Like something specifically that we know that sexual predators will look for are kids who do not know um, the correct names for their genitals or who are not comfortable using the correct name for their genitals. Um, And that's for um, a very sinister but practical reason is that if a child doesn't even have a vocabulary to talk about, you know, very basic sexual anatomy, it makes it harder for them to report. It makes it harder for them to tell anybody. It also makes it much easier to shame those children and make them feel like they're doing something wrong or that they are somehow complicit in their own abuse, which is utterly, utterly not true whatsoever. Um, But it's something that we know predators tend to look for. Um, Children who are more confident um, in talking about their bodies, children who certainly, you know, just treat, you know, will say like vulva or penis or testicles in the same way they say like arm or nose or mouth. That's an indication to a predator that this is a child who lives in a home where sexuality is discussed openly. They're going to be, they probably, they are more likely to come from a home where there has been some discussion of consent, where maybe that child has been given a directive that, hey, if somebody touches you, or you know, talks to you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, like come tell your safe adult. Predators mm-hmm. don't don't want to mess with those kids. Right. Um, so that's like one of the major reasons that sex education is really important from um, an abuse prevention standpoint. And that's true for kids when they're young, but it is also true sort of throughout the life cycle that um, statistically, youth who have access to comprehensive sex education, who have access to sex education both in the home, like with their families and at school, um, throughout their lives tend to report, you know, as they get older, if they enter into sexual relationships, um, that consent and pleasure are much more prevalent in those relationships that they have. they are more likely to speak up and advocate on their own behalf in terms of their sexual health. Um, So we see lower rates of sexually transmitted infections. We see lower rates of unintended pregnancy. Um, You know, we see more, uh, we see greater, you know, 
safer sex practice Mm -hmm. happening. Um, And just generally speaking, statistically, they're more likely to experience sex and sexuality in ways that they would describe as, you know, being life affirming, positive, pleasure filled, um, and enhancing their happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause you, you answered my question, my next question, which was like, um, there are parents who, and I don't know if this is cultural thing, but there are parents who feel that if they uh, begin this education too early, that they're going to sexualize their children or that they're going to create um, more curiosity than is appropriate for that age. What do you say to those parents? Um, so the concern around sexualization, sexualization is something very specific and it's something very deliberate. So if you are coming to your child um, in a spirit of love, nurturing, caring, and education, that's not sexualizing. Sexualizing is when we take something or someone um, who is, you know, that is not meant for our own sexual gratification or arousal, and we try to use them or coerce them into participating mm-hmm. in our own sexual arousal and desire. Um, and that's not really something that you can do by accident. Right. You know, um, it's something that people do on purpose and they do it deliberately. And so um, if, yeah, so we're not talking about looking at your child and thinking of them as like a sexually active being. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to give them information. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my personal experience and also in my professional experience, um, I don't believe that there's any such thing as like inappropriate curiosity. And what I see time and again, especially with sex and sexuality, is that when you get to the point where you're like, oh, this seems like maybe not so child appropriate, your kid has gotten there like five steps ahead. Um, You know, I think about, you know, even, you know, if your, your child, your young child wants to know where, where do babies come from or how are babies made, which is a really common question that a lot of fairly young kids have because a lot of them are in a home where like they may have a parent who's pregnant or you know they have a friend whose parent is pregnant like young kids around pregnant people a lot and they're like (laughs) with that um oftentimes when you tell a kid that young and get to the part where you explain that yeah some older people and adults like put their penises and vaginas together they're not like, oh, wow, tell me more. That sounds amazing. They're just like, right. what? <laughs> um, or they think it's hilarious. Right. Um, but they're not really intrigued by that because what we have to understand, particularly for prepubescent youth, is they don't really have a lot of erotic motivation. Right. Um, you know, that part, of, they haven't developed in that way yet. And so um, they're either going to take it as very clinical they're going to be like, wow, interesting, but gross. Or they're going to be like, huh, interesting. Um, what's on TV? Right. Like you've answered my question. I'm satisfied now, like moving. Right. (laughs) Right. And that's so true. Cause I, that's been my experience with my kids as well. It's like, they ask a question that I may not necessarily be prepared for, but I have a book and we look at it and then they're like, all right, so can we like watch our show now? <laughs> and, exactly. You know, I expected this like two hour conversation about it yeah. and they're like, okay. I <laughs> like I don't care. Yeah, there's like for, for a child, there are so many 
many things that are so much more interesting to them, yeah. um, you know, than body parts and what adults do with their under underwear bits. Right. They don't care. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a great point. I, and I think that that's so true. Um, you know, it personally frustrates me when I hear parents use that as the reason for not wanting to start, you know, teaching because they're like, well, they're only nine. And I'm like, I, you, you should, you know, definitely be starting because um, especially today, I feel like, again, with the access to what information they have online that, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be online. It can be that their friend's sibling who's older is bringing it up and, yeah. you know, not ill-intentioned, but they're, you know, talking about it because maybe they overheard it. And it's just like, you just never know. And why would you not want your child to, one, see you as a resource that they can ask, um, but two, to like be curious naturally and say like, hey, what is that? And not be shamed about it. And, you know, like, I think that that's also another part um, that a lot of parents are also afraid of is like not wanting to shame their children, but inadvertently doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about some ways that parents um, may, may be doing that without realizing? Do you come across that often? Um. I think sometimes, and uh, the thing is, I don't want anyone to, you know, panic or beat themselves up if they think, ooh, I may have, you know, inadvertently said something or not said something that um, has shamed my child. Uh, I think that silence is inadvertently often very shaming, Hmm. Uh, because I think something that's really important to remember is that our children live in the exact same world that we do. Um, And in terms of sexuality, and when we talk about sexuality, we're not just talking specifically about sexual acts or, you know, sexual desire or arousal, but all of the things that sort of inform that, that is something that develops over time. So it's like some people have this sense that like, oh, okay. So when my kid hits puberty, Um, and their gonads start releasing those sex hormones, you know, the estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, that's when they'll be like, then all of a sudden they'll become sexual people. Um, And I'm like, no, it's like this ongoing development from the time they're in utero. Mm -hmm. Um, It just kind of ramps up a bit during puberty. Um, And so, yeah, like they're living in these bodies where they're like, yeah, like I have genitals. Um, and if we never talk about them, it's like, it's not like they don't have them, right. but, but they will have some awareness of, huh, every other part of my body has a word associated with it that people use freely, except for this particular part of my body that either we don't talk about in my house or we talk about it and it's got this like odd other name. Like we have to be kind of secret about it. That's something that can inadvertently sort of cultivate shame just around the fact you're like oh i i have a vulva but i don't know what it's called and like every time somebody mentions it like they speak in hushed tone (laughs) right you know do the thing where they cut their hand over their face and it's like this huge secret that's a thing that can inadvertently cultivate shame and it doesn't mean that you know you know if you do that you're this terrible parent who's trying to make them feel bad about their bodies it may just be that's what you grew up with and that feels normal to you, um, but it does send a message. Um, You know, skirting their questions, if they have any questions about like, 
bodies or identities or anything. And you're like, yeah, no, that's like for when you're older, bye, see ya. Right. Um, especially when we're often very willing to try and talk to our kids about other things that we perceive of as being adult. Um, and one of the examples I use is politics. A lot of people are very open with their kids about the fact that they vote. Hmm. Um, you know, if there's an election happening and, you know, our kids happen to notice like campaign signs or something, we're not usually like, you know, covering their eyes and being like, don't look. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and you no, know, we're not going to get into a whole like political discourse about the party system with them. Um, but we will usually like, you know, give them some exposure to, you know, the parts of it that they can observe and they're curious about, even though they can't really participate in that system um, yeah. until they're at least 18 or 19. Or if you're in the States or in other parts of the world, sometimes 21, but we're not like, well, that's a grown up thing. So. Right. Um, right. So like, yeah, that's a great, I love that metaphor. Yeah. I mean, that analogy. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Consent Parenting my online platform for survivor parents to learn how to keep their kids safe from abuse. Did you know that children of survivor parents have a five times higher chance of being abused because survivor parents don't know or learn the tools needed to prevent abuse? They tend to overprotect instead of empower and prepare. You can change the statistics by becoming an educated parent. Get started by downloading my free guide, Seven Ways to Teach Your Kids About Body Safety, Boundaries, and Consent by going to aboutconsent.com forward slash guide. The link will be in the show notes to get your free copy today. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that is so true. And one of the things um, I also find a lot of parents struggle with is... Um, to what extent they teach, right? Because they tend to think, well, I'll teach a couple of things about this and then wait till this age. And, you know, we had um, just done another interview for my membership, but you had mentioned that it's part of like, it, it's really part of your parenting throughout their life. Right. And to weave this into the, into the conversation as just a natural part of what we talk about as our humanity. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, you know, in the same way that we talk about our emotions in the same way that we talk about our thoughts in the same way that we talk about, you know, our experiences and what I had said for your members is, yeah, sexuality is just another thing that can be sort of woven into um, the tapestry of, you know, your day-to-day -day conversations as a family. And so, yeah, sometimes it may be, you know, a more, deliberate pointed like you know let's sit on the bed together and talk about this aspect of sexuality like let's have a conversation specifically about this aspect of consent because i feel it's really important that you have this information right now mm -hmm. sometimes it's just going to be like a sentence or two you know when you're in the kitchen or when you're you know in the car together or on the bus which was like my kids favorite place I mean like asking <laughs> random questions was in public transit um I was like I'm not that's fun <laughs> mode right now I'm just trying to get home um but yeah um so it can happen and if it's an ongoing conversation it also takes the pressure off of any one given conversation like you mm -hmm. 
if you're like, we're just talking about this all the time on the reg, um, you know, that means if you have a conversation, you're like, wow, that did not go well at all. Okay. Yeah. You'll talk about it again, like in a couple of days or in a couple of weeks, because you know, you've given yourself that permission as opposed to being like, well, that was the one sit down we had. So, well, right. <laughs> Screw that so, up and we're done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. I agree. Yeah. And I, and I also, um, you know, I want to circle back to um, what you did with hashtag save sex ed, because I think a lot of parents tend to think that they will also rely on schools or some other institution to provide this education. Um, and I think that, you know, for some, they just don't know what they don't know, so they just don't teach yeah. it at home. So I think that it's amazing that you did this YouTube series. Um, I know that in the US there are, you know, the, the sex education sort of mandates are all over the map, yeah. uh, literally, like some places do, some places don't, uh, some are abstinence-based. Um, I know in Ontario, I remember um, that with Ford coming in, they reverted back to uh, a different curriculum. Mm -hmm. And is this the reason why th that you created this? Can you talk a little bit about what led you to create that series? Yes, absolutely. So um, when, uh, during Ford's campaign to become premier, uh, one of the campaign promises he had made was that he was going to repeal the existing uh, the existing sex ed components of the health and phys ed curriculum, uh, which had been updated, the entire curriculum had been updated in 2015. Uh, it was the first update that had happened in 20 years at that point. Um, but wow. there was a, like a fairly decent, like comprehensive sex ed curriculum that spanned uh, grades one through 12. Uh, and he wanted to repeal this and which was more inclusive and it was like, much more inclusive. It was much more comprehensive. Um, and then again, even from like sort of a fact-based um, scientific perspective was in like, was badly in need of, of being updated because, you know, our understanding of things like say sexually transmitted infections has changed since 1994, which is when the previous curriculum had existed. Um, and so when I, I didn't, you know, you never know with leaders, you know, which campaign promises are going to come through or not, but that's sort of what um, got me thinking. And I was like, oh no, 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 this is, this is bad. And what will I do if this repeal happens? Um, I was like, this is terrible. And like, I was like, I'm so powerless. And I was like, wait a second. No, I'm not. <laughs> I know this curriculum, like the back of my hand. I was like, Hey, I teach sex education. That's literally my job. So maybe there's something I can do. And I had a YouTube channel at the time. And so that's sort of where I got the, the brainwave. I was like, okay, well, yeah, I could use my channel to preserve this. Uh, YouTube is a fairly accessible platform. And so I could go through, I could pull the sex ed components. I could do little lessons here. Um, and then at least it will be there. And no matter what happens, it will exist um, because, I mean, you know, at that point, we had no idea, you know, like, what would a reformed sex ed curriculum look like? Like, I, we didn't know if they were just going to, like, reinstate the 1994 curriculum and call it a day. Like, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I actually started working on the videos before Ford was elected. Um, and then he was elected, and then he announced the repeal um, while I was in the middle of sort of 
production and that just lit a fire under me and I was like okay let me get this out as quickly as possible because I didn't you know I downloaded the the document so I had mm-hmm. all the lessons um and so we decided we decided um I decided to focus on the grades one through eight because that really seemed to be where they were honing in right. um, was on the was on the um elementary school grades and so I yeah I took each individual component uh, and I turned it into uh, a little video. Um, some are shorter or longer than others. And what it was, was I, you know, shared what the learning objective was in the curriculum. I created like a lesson that someone could use in a classroom if they were a teacher. And then I also offered like modifications or adaptations if people wanted to bring that lesson home for their kids. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it is such a, like, I mean, now you also um, are the writer and co-host of Everybody Curious or Everybody Curious, which I like. Um, And, you know, as I mentioned before, seeing kids, for kids to see kids learning this and having that normalized and also for parents to see it and see that modeled, right, I think is so important. How did that come to be? And what is the sort of goal that you have with it because now you're you're in season two of it yes um so i was approached by uh louise pollard who had worked in children children's media for many many years and she had come across uh i believe it was a scandinavian uh series that um was sort of similar in intent to our series that it was a, a series geared towards like kids um to help them learn about sex ed and she had been looking to bring something like that here to canada um had been to like various networks and they were interested but you know the development process is slow and so she uh got in contact with another sex educator Eva Bloom, who's amazing um her sex education focuses a little bit more on like teens and young adults um but Eva and i are friends and so Eva recommended uh, me for the project as well. And so, you know, I met with Louise and she told me her idea and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, she really wanted to sort of focus on that tween demographic, mm-hmm. um, which is where I find there is often a big gap um, in terms of sex education because those are the kids who have sort of aged beyond, uh, for a lot of them, the, you know, what are the names of my genitals? Where do babies come from? They're a little older than, than those kids, but they're not quite yet at the stage of, you know, having relationships and dating and like possibly becoming sexually active. And so people often kind of are like, ah, phew, this is like where I can just like sit back and relax and they don't care and they don't need to know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, oh yes, please. Like I want, <laughs> right. um, and prior to being a sex educator, you know, a billion years ago, I was an actor um, and a playwright. So I was like, ooh, I get to do a version of that again, but incorporating this, you know, thing that I do now that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and Louise had always conceived of it as being a school that we were going to bring in youth of that age. And she always very much wanted to be sort of like youth led learning that we were going to we would certainly introduce the topics but we really wanted to connect with these kids find out what a what they knew and b what it is they wanted to know and that information um and so it was 
it's just been such a pleasure working on that series. And my absolute favorite thing about it is, as you said, I love showing it to adults. And I'm like, check out these kids. And I'm like, like, yes, they're giggling sometimes. And sometimes they're like, ew. And sometimes they're really curious, but I'm like, they're also insightful and they're self-aware and they're aware of the world around them. And they're having so much fun. Um, and so in a lot of ways, I feel like my job is easy because I just get to go in, have fun with them, find out what they want to know and just talk to them and tell them about it and have fun with them. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, they're having the time of their lives. Like, um, you know, we, we film all the episodes sort of in a block over several days in a studio. Um, and they're long days, but they're so much fun. Like they're so, so much fun. That's um, awesome. And so my co-host and I, like both of us who are very experienced sex educators, with like graduate degrees and stuff, like if I had a dollar for every time we just sort of turned to each other because one of the kids said something so brilliant and so incisive, um, like I would, I would have a million dollars now. <laughs> yeah, I really would. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we don't give kids enough credit. And we, you know, I, one of the things that I've, loved about being on Instagram is learning from so many different educators and the idea of childism, uh, which is still kind of new for a lot of people, but it's like really um, seeing kids as not at the level that we you know, we, we just want to feel superior ultimately, right? Yeah. And like we know it all and we have nothing to learn from kids, but you know, you hear all the time from parents like, oh my God, I'm learning so much from my own child. Huh. And we, if we brought that even into this space of, um, you know, children being curious about sexuality, we would realize that it's, it's okay. Like even for ourselves to be curious is okay. Like, I think a lot of times we also have fears as adults of, if I'm curious about this, it's going to mean this because that's what culture has told us, right? Yes, that there's that it's um, it's it's the threat of the slippery slope, mm -hmm. and this idea that it's like I can't just stop where I feel like stopping with this. Um, this idea that like oh no, I'm going to go sliding down that slope, and I have I'm like there is no slippery slope. That's <laughs> not a thing. Um, you can just stop if you know if you have a and I'm like and we all have boundaries. Um, around sexuality and that's that's good that's what keeps us safe that's what you know allows us to you know keep the things that we enjoy that make us feel good that are life-affirming and you know keep out or have not so much of the stuff that we're like that feels scary that feels dangerous that just doesn't interest me yeah. uh, that feels kind of icky that can that that's why we have boundaries and like exactly and, um, yeah, and I wish we had more conversations about the fact that, like, we all have a right to kind of assert and establish those boundaries. And it's like, yeah, so go down the path as far as you want to go down the path. And then if you're like, I don't like the looks of this path beyond here, then don't go. Yeah. Don't go. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of the things that um, I, a lot of parents don't know how to talk about is consent as it relates to sex. Um, mm -hmm. And I've always said it doesn't, it's, it starts with not being about sex. It just starts with being about boundaries and body autonomy. Yeah. Uh, so I love that you're bringing that up because boundaries um, is really where we um, can most enjoy because we have set those and we can explore 
the different degrees of boundaries. And we can also, um, you know, one of the things that I learned late in life is that boundaries can be withdrawn, you know, so the, we can start to teach those things without them being sexual um, with children. And then it will naturally like become part of that conversation as it yeah. evolves into that. So I think that boundaries is a beautiful thing. There's, it's, it's so important. Um, well, so the, I love everything that you're doing. What, um, what are you com like, what's coming up for you this year? I know like obviously now with quarantine and COVID, like things are up in the air, but um, you had mentioned it when we were doing the other interview about your book. I would love for you to share some about that. Sure. So the book is called, it's an ebook. It's called Let's Talk. And it's um, a comprehensive guide for parents and caring adults to really help them navigate a lot of different conversations related to sexuality uh, with their kids. And so um, not only do I give a lot of sort of detailed information about how to approach the conversations, I've got some troubleshooting uh, tips in there. Um, you know, for example, I'm a teenager, so what I'm dealing with right now is my kid doesn't really want to talk to me um, and is very eye-rolly with me. <laughs> um, so things like that, you know. Um, but then I have broken uh, a lot of the book down into what I call developmental stages. So we have preschoolers, children, tweens, and teens. Um, and then I discuss specific topics that families may want to discuss during those different stages. And then what I have are conversation prompts. And so conversation prompts are basically just questions. A lot of them are open-ended questions about various aspects of sexuality that uh, you can just use to kick off a chat. If you're like, I don't even know how to get into this. Uh, try asking them a question and, you know, just getting their thoughts and opinions uh, can be a great place to start. Um, and so, yeah, that's the book. And I broke it down more into sort of developmental stages as opposed to concrete ages, because while concrete ages can be sort of helpful when we're looking at sex education globally, like if we're saying, okay, what do we teach in a fifth grade class where most of them are somewhere between like nine and 10? When we're talking about families and our specific individual kids, I find age is not actually a great indicator of what you need or like what your kid needs or wants to know. Hmm. Um, because you can take like five, nine-year-olds and they'll all be at like slightly different places hmm. developmentally and they'll all have different personalities. And so yeah. um, in that way, I'm like, I can sort of leave it to you to gauge um, you can sort of look and be like, yeah, my kid's somewhere in the like one to four corridor. So this is approximately maybe what we want to be talking about. But, yeah. um, you know, I, yeah. I want to give people as much flexibility as possible there. So, yeah, that'll be August 1st. Um, it will be available for download on my website. Um, and then uh, later this fall, I do not have a launch date yet, but I will be announcing it soon. I'm going to be offering my very first course. Um, and it's going to be uh, an eight-week course with limited enrollment. And what we are going to go through are some of the uh, family sex ed roadblocks. So, for example, uh, one that often comes up when we're teaching our kids about consent or younger kids is, you know, we can do a really good job you know, helping them understand that, you know, they're the bosses of their own body and that, you know, they have this agency. And then they will turn it around on us and be like, 
I have this agency and I'm the boss of my own body. I'm not having a bath ever again. <laughs> right. yeah, they won't do it. Um, yeah. And those are like, those are issues that I work through with parents all the time. They're <laughs> like, what do I do now? Because <laughs> I want them to feel this ownership, but also hygiene yeah. and health. How do we do that? So there are several sort of, yeah, like just tricky you know, little, yeah. little things there, some little, some big. And so, yeah, we're going to kind of work through those together and figure out, you know, yeah. how to instill this like sex positivity, body positivity, you know, consent-based, pleasure-based sex ed, and then uh, deal with those little roadblocks. That's awesome. Have. Yes. Yes. Is it going to be for a specific age group or age range or it's? Um, so uh, people with like, basically people who have, um, kids or teens who are still at home. So like generally it's sort of like the zero to 19 ish, but I mean, you know, if you're like, I have a 20 year old at home and they're kind of like a 15 year old, then valid. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I will be posting all of those links. So on the show notes for the podcast, so definitely check out everything there. And you are also on Instagram, very active on Instagram. So, um, and your website is uh, nadinethornhill.com. So people can check you out there. And uh, there's a form there if someone wants to work with you directly, right? You do do one-on-one consults. Yeah, I do do one-on-one. I offer uh, hour-long one-on-one coaching sessions because uh, sometimes people have issues, uh, yeah, with their kids or their families that are like very, very specific and you know aren't something that I cover in sort of the more general information that I offer. So yeah, if you've got yeah. sort of yeah, like one of those tricky, sticky situations and you want to talk it through and you know you're looking for resources or whatnot, then yeah, that's definitely something I offer. And uh, you know. Uh, because we are in pandemic life, I'm on Zoom all the time. So it's, you know, it's Zoom or sometimes Google Hangouts. So no matter where you are in the world, we can, uh, we can set something up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's one of the benefits of yeah, the situation. Definitely. I'm, like, yeah. I'm always home now. So... Awesome. Well, thank you so, so very much for your time. And I love everything that you're up to. I can't wait to watch season two of Everybody Curious. Is that out now? Or it is out it's, now. It's it is out now. Okay, awesome. Everybodycurious.com or .ca. I believe we own both domain, both domain names. Uh, you can watch all of season one and all of season two. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here. I look forward to continuing to, you know, absorb all of the awesome content that you put out and thank you for all the work that you do. I appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure talking to you and I love what you're doing too. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. So if you loved this episode, I would absolutely love it if you screenshot it and shared it on Instagram with your favorite takeaways because you know we want to know what really hit home for you what were the lessons that you learned uh what are you already practicing maybe you're already rocking this and you want to like you know toot your horn which is totally awesome because we need more sex positive parents saying hey I'm doing it right and I just got some affirmation go check out this video um so let us know if you enjoyed this if you were listening to this on the podcast or if you watched the video, uh, give us some feedback. We would love to hear from you. And thank you for tuning in. We will see you in the next episode. Don't miss the next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. 
And I would be so grateful if you took one minute to post a five-star rating and reviews on iTunes so that others can also find this information. I will be shouting you out and thanking you on the next episode. If you found this useful, be sure to share it with others as well. Let's continue to create consent culture one conversation at a time. Stay empowered.